Welcome, people, to this week's edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Cindy Brown. Hopefully that you guys had a safe and happy Fourth of July weekend. For those of you messing with fireworks, especially illegally here in the state of Illinois, shame on you. But naughty, naughty. Yeah, naughty people. Uh, th this week's show will feature a heavy set lineup. But first, before we get to our first guest for this first segment, you can follow yours truly on Twitter at SidKid80 and in Instagram at the same address. That's SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. Lakina, where can people follow you? You can follow me at Kina McGee on Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the Instagram. Okay. And our first guest for our for today's show is she's from NBC Sports Washington. She covers all Washington, D.C. area uh, professional sports and the college teams. Her name is Julie Donaldson, and Julie was on our show back in, in September of last season when the Bears played the Washington football team on Monday Night Football. A lot has changed, and we'll get into all that. Julie, welcome back to our program. How are you today? Good, good. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it seems like that game was forever ago, just eons ago. And now here we are wondering, how is this season going to look? And will we even get to it starting? So, um, yeah, the landscape's changed, but uh, glad to be able to be back here with you guys. Uh, good stuff. Uh, before we get started, where can people follow you on social media? Uh, on Twitter, I am Jay Donaldson at NBCS. Uh, Jay Donaldson, NBC and then on Instagram, Julie A. Donaldson, and uh, I do a good bit of posting stuff on Facebook, just Julie Donaldson. Cool. Okay. Uh, this week's top story is um, the team that you cover, the Washington Redskins. You host uh, pre and post game live for NBC Sports Washington, and of course, is, uh, this franchise has been has been uh, in the midst of controversy over the last few weeks, over the last few years. If you want to uh, go uh, look back even further, but. Right. Uh, due to uh, to the unrest uh, in our country right right now, uh, uh, coming and trying to find solutions for racial uh, justice, uh, the Washington uh, franchise has what you say uh, they want to rename the team now, uh, coming from pressure from the outside and from the inside as well. So they they announced they're going to have a name change. I wanted to ask you, Julie, is uh, for many people, including your truly, it's been long overdue. What is your initial thoughts on this? Well, this is something that's been heating up for years. I just think the climate and the culture that we're in right now, it's its the time to make the change. And it's the time where you have to make sure that, that you are sensitive to, to every group out there, to every person out there, that you're not doing anything that is offensive. So it's offensive to one, then it's offensive to everyone. And so here we are now. Any work that they've done in the past of talking to Native Americans and trying to make sure that they were okay and in right standing with the name, it just doesn't matter in today's culture. Um, because there have been a few that have spoken up and said that, look, it's time to make a change. And there's so many extra steps that are going into this. As you see sponsors pulling, you see them saying that they're going to take away any FedEx um, logos anywhere in the stadium if it's not changed after the end of, after the, end of the year. Uh, so it, a change will come. What will it become? I think that's a big question. I know they want to try and keep the same colors, um, the color scheme, but they want to get rid of probably anything that would be referenced to anything Native American. So that means a whole new logo. It's going to be a process, but it is something that has been in the works for quite a while. And it's also before they actually decide on something and before it actually comes into play. There's a lot of different legal steps, marketing steps, um, a lot of different things that have to come into play. Um, but I, I just think with the world that we're in, you have to make sure that people feel um, included and that they feel respected. And so that's why we're at this point. 
What do you think? What was? What do you think was the breaking point of all this? Was it the recent unrest? Because people have been saying uh, things about the name for many, many years. For you can go all the way back to when the franchise first came about. So, what was the breaking point? Well, I think after you have everything that's just been the protests that have been going on as of late, um, and, and everybody taking a deeper dive. Like we're not just saying that it's you know, the hashtag Black Lives Matter. Okay, that's nice, it's bringing awareness to it, but what steps of action are you taking to back that up? Because I think even like in the Me Too movement, okay, so you give somebody a voice, but what are you actually taking to put legislature in place, to put things in place and put companies in the right standing to make sure that the injustices don't go forward? And, and so here you are in a time where just saying, okay, we're gonna think about it, we're gonna talk about it, isn't enough. Uh, I think we're in a culture where you have to take action on things and you have to back it up. This is, this is gonna be a long protest. This isn't just something that goes out there and you see the march one day and it says, okay, now everybody goes out and, and has a knee-jerk reaction and then we go right back into our regular society. I think that's why you're at this time now. I mean, the name change, they've been feeling pressure for a long time. And I know that they've, they've gone through great lengths to try to go to as many reservations as possible and kind of see, is it offensive to a lot of Native Americans? And a majority of them say no, that it hasn't been, that they, they, they know that it's something prideful, that it's honor and that they, it's worn with nothing but endearment and with respect towards it. But there are those that, again, nowadays are saying no, it in and of itself is a, a racial slur. And because of that, you can't have it anymore. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just the world we're in and I'm glad to see the actions taken behind everything. You know I mean? It's, it's, it's not something that offends me, but I wouldn't want to do anything that offends somebody else. Um, so I think that's the culture that we're in. Julia, the Washington football team on the dance matter that has been asked to, uh, change the name throughout the years ever since he owned the team back in the late nineties, he, he always uh, came up with the answer. Well, not everyone's offended or he just flat out said no. If you think that uh, if he does uh, do this now, you think that he will be forced to sell the team? I don't know that legally if you can force him to sell it. I'm not sure how that goes. I know that there's a lot of the uh, the minority owners in there that have wanted to try and sell their shares. They haven't been able to, and, and he's getting pressure to have to make some changes. So um, I know that there's been a lot of friction with that. So I don't know the legality part of it, but he's being forced to change the name and he's being forced to hear the voices of those that are coming in. And when it starts to really hit in the wallet, when the sponsors say, we're not going to sell this anymore, when the sponsors start pulling out, when they say, look, he's trying to get a new stadium. When they say, you can't have the land that everybody wants to go back to, which is in DC, so it is a Washington DC team, which is the RFK stadium. That land is owned by the federal government. And the federal government says, we're not giving this to you with the name Redskins. So if you even want the land that you wanna be at, you have to change the name. So he's getting pressure from a lot of different sides. Now the NFL is making sure that this change is going to take place. Um, and, and, but will he stay the, the owner of the team as the majority owner? Yeah, I, I don't see him budging on that at all. Okay. I know you talked to a lot of fans via the television and social media. Uh, what have fans been saying to you about the about the um, the name change uh, coming forward? You know, it's been interesting because even when you try to send out a tweet that is just something football related and actually about maybe you know the team in and of itself, the X's and the O's, the name comes into it. And I find a lot of people 
don't want it to be changed because those that are Redskins fans, again, it's, it's something that brings about great feelings to them. It's something that brings about, you know, memories with their families or their childhood or they're growing up. And they've never, ever has anybody using the Redskins team as the football team ever wanted to use that racially to put someone down. I don't think you'll find a Redskin fan anywhere that says that was the intent and that's the why we're using this. But what you are finding, though, is also the people that say, look, then it's time. So I, you're, you're getting loud voices from both sides. Um, I think whichever way you want, you're, you're just not going to avoid it not being changed. Um, that is going to happen. The question becomes that I, I get kind of curious of, because if they're processing it's, it's not, we're not your mascot, then do you have to go to the Indians? Because you see the Cleveland Indians saying that. Do you have to go to the Seminoles? Do you have to go, how far do you have to go to make sure that that we are in the right standing here? And what is exactly the right standing with all of those mascots, I think is a very interesting question. Well, I mean, hail to the Redskins. I mean, that's like one of the most famous chants in the NFL. Yeah. So I can understand why some folks are like, look, I don't want to let go of that particular chant. You know, maybe, you know, well-intentioned, but maybe it's just, you know, right. just not politically correct to say anymore. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a weird world. You start thinking about um, a lot of different teams. I think the Tennessee Titans was the last team to change their name because they were the Oilers, but they were in Houston. So when they moved to Tennessee, it just didn't make any sense. Um, you know, but there are teams that have gone through this, uh, just in Washington, D.C., the Washington Wizards, they were the Bullets, and they changed to the Wizards, I, it doesn't make any sense to me, but I'm glad that at least the ownership there, Ted Leonsis, changed it back to the red, white, and blue colors instead of those other things, but, you know, it takes time to get through all that, so it's going to be, it's going to be weird to go to the games, to not have the chant, because that is indicative of this team, and to not have, you know, the chief running around, because that's something you always look forward to seeing, and, um, you know, the, just even the hashtag, HTTR. Uh, what is that going to be? What's it going to look like? Um, you know, I'm sure they're putting a lot of thought into this. I know that they've been looking at this for, for a long time now. Of course, more seriously over the last three, four weeks or so. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's interesting, and especially when you get everybody saying, what will they be? Will it be the Red Hawks? Will it be the Warriors? What, I mean, what is, what is the, the logo going to be? Um, many people are just in favor of what you said, the Washington Football Club. Keep it that simple. Julie Donaldson of NBC Sports Washington is joining us this week on on Sega City Sports Zoom style, along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. Julie, let's focus in on um, the transactions that have been taking place with the Washington football team on the field. Of course, a new head coach, Ron Rivera, was brought in during the offseason after uh, Jay Gordon was led guard after another disappointing season. Of course, as us uh, fans here in Chicago, we remember Ron Rivera as part of the 85 Bears with the championship ring. Of course, he was the defensive coordinator for the Bears when they last appeared in the Super Bowl back in 2006. Um, what were your first impressions of him? What does he bring to uh, to the Washington organization? Well, the thing that you see is a, is a consistency about him and the way that he leads. And while he's very personable and while he genuinely cares about the people he's talking to, at least from even the first impressions that I've got, he's engaged in the moment that he's talking to you and makes you feel of value. And I know that that resonates with everyone that has worked for him and underneath him and played underneath him. But he also, there's no questioning that he is the authority. There's no questioning whatever he says is going to be put into place. And he does it with a very steady hand. And that especially during this uncertain time, coming in here, having to develop a new staff. And he brought most everybody over from Carolina with him. So I think that is going to pay off a, a good bit of dividends because now you're not just having to 
be in quarantine learning each other, at least they already know how each other works and what kind of Rivera's coaching scheme is, what he wants to do. That kind of is already at least in place, not be too far behind as they do take over in a new town, a new team, new players. Um, but the consistency you get from him, the leadership you get from him, um, you know, and, and he, he's a player's coach. He wants the coaches to be able to have free reign to coach as they want. He wants the players to be able to have a voice to speak up. And, and he really, everybody we talk to says he does a really good job getting the best out of everyone he works with. And that's because I think when you meet him, you want to impress him. You want to be your best. You want to put your best foot forward. And that's going to resonate, especially during this climate change and during this culture change and during the whole staff and everything going forward. Um, I think his leadership is is very good for for Washington D.C. And you're seeing the way he's also taking the leadership and changing the name as well. So er everything on the field and off the field, I think he's got a good good hand on. It'll be interesting to see what what he does with that offense. You have Dwayne Haskins. You know, had kind of an up and down season as usual with rookie season last year. What do you think he can do? Even though he's more of a you know Rivera is more of a defensive coach, we all know that. But what do you think he he can kind of adjust what he can make to the offense? Yeah, you know, I mean, he's he's a defensive-minded coach, and this defense uh, has plenty of talent on it uh, to be the strength of the team. It is the strength of the team, so I know that they're very happy to have that side of the ball taken care of, and he brought in a good leader in Jack Del Rio, who was a head coach before, so I don't think he's going to have to worry too, too much about trying to get the defense in line. On offense, you just have so many question marks, um, you know, and, and Haskins being a, a big one of them. Now, when they first came here, they made it very clear to Dwayne saying that, look, you're going to be the quarterback. We're going to bring in Kyle Allen, but we have to bring somebody in no matter what. But the team is going to be yours. So while the media was going out there going like, oh, they're going to draft Tua, you know, is Kyle Allen going to take over? Rivera made it very clear to his players and a very straightforward message with them. And I think that is, again, something that you respect out of them that, no, Dwayne, you're going to have your opportunity. It's going to be your team to start. Now we're up against a lot and trying to learn the offense because you're having to do it through meetings like this, through Zoom. I can't be in the same classroom together. Um, so that's going to be the challenge as, as Dwayne comes in. But I think the big thing is his rookie season, yeah, it was up and down. When his first game he went in against the Giants, like he really was just kind of like winging it, you know, because he wasn't really a part of the plans and uh, in, in getting prepared. He is now. He is that guy. And so I think that in and of itself will be a big difference for Dwayne as he approaches this season knowing it is his. I think a lot of the big question marks is, is who's going to block for him? Who's going to run for him? Who's he going to throw to? Does he have a tight end? I, that's going to be the big difference on how much success he can or can't have is what does he have around him? Because he has Terry McLaurin, which was a rookie last season. It really surprised everybody. But outside of that, who do you have? Adrian Peterson? Okay, you can count on him to still go, but everybody else is still, I think, a little bit of a question mark. Before we move on to the, to the broader topics of the NFL, Julie, you just brought up Adrian Peterson. How much does this guy have left? Because he's he was according to his age, according to his statistics, I'm using air quotes here for those who's listening exclusively. He's supposed to have been out of the league about four or five years ago because we all know that the running back position is in uh, is not valued in, anymore in today's NFL. How much does he have left in the tank? He, I mean, to talk to him, he says he wants to go another four years, and why not, you know? And and I I'm not going to bet against him. I know when he first came here, I mean, he was on the streets. He wasn't with the team, and it was because Darius Geis, which everybody had so much hypes for, went and got injured in the preseason game and wasn't going to didn't play his rookie year. He actually even finished his sophomore year on IR as well. So the big question mark is they know that Darius can be explosive and can be the running back, and they want him to be right. that. But can he stay healthy and be on the field? That's going to be a big question. Darius is going to have to listen to his body for that. Adrian knows how 
to be a pro. He knows how to take care of his body. He knows what to put into his body. He knows how to play. And there's going to be a significant role for him. He's going to be the running back that will set the tone. And they might go with five or six running backs because if you know Ron Rivera and their running backs, they're like the hybrid running backs, like the running backs that don't just, as you were saying, you know, those aren't just the downhill runners. They want to be able to switch it up and be able to throw to them as well. Uh, so I think that's going to be an important role when when it comes to the running game. But Adrian, mm -mm. I mean, even every year he plays dinged up and he's still out there putting up over 100, over 1,000 yards from scrimmage. So, you know, until he goes down, I'm not going to go against him. Let's talk about the NFL landscape as a whole, Julie, because the NFL has come out with different, you know, different like rule changes for this, for this particular season. What do you think kind of adjustment that the Redskins and other teams are going to have to make through this whole new world? Because they're going through business as usual, but we're seeing more and more with more COVID cases rising. What, what kind of other adjustments do you think the, other, the Redskins and other teams will have to make? You know, it's so you, what you didn't have any OTAs, um, voluntary or not voluntary. Um, and, and you have, hopefully, you can hear me. I'm at the airport. Yeah, so. yeah. My is just fine. Okay, good. So with, without the, the OTAs, without the training camps, they've had such limited time to be together. And now you're going to try and get training camp together, and then you're going to try and put pads on these players after, after six days. I know the last time they were saying after there was the lockout, um, however many years ago, injuries increased, and they spiked those soft tissue injuries, the hamstring injuries, the Achilles injuries. And so now players are concerned about this because they haven't had the equal amount of training at the facilities. And, and some of them all have different equipments at their homes and they don't have the specialists to be able to work with them that they would normally have had. And I think that's something to take into account as you go into the season is which team really has the depth and how are they going to approach that? Because I, I think you can probably anticipate there being an increase of injuries as you get through this and you try to get right to training camp and then put the pads on and have them go. Um, as far as like learning systems, I think it's going to be, you know, you've got teams that have been there for forever and have the same coaching staff. They know what to expect. They're probably going to be a little bit further ahead as opposed to kind of like the new teams, um, which a lot are in the NFC East that have new coaching staffs and they're going to try and put together their own system. And then it's also, I think it's just going to come to the most discipline. How disciplined are the players in, in their personal lives when they're away from the field? And that's what they're saying is really going to be as all sports try to come back who is being most disciplined and being careful and cautious um, in how they approach this. But, you know, it, it, it really kind of baffles me how we have to have all these social distancing and we're supposed to be wearing masks left and right, but they're going to try and actually have football take place. And then some of them say, okay, no Jersey swaps at the end of the game. Cause that's going to be the problem. Right. I mean, but let's forget the whole 48 minutes before when they were playing, sweating and tackling yeah. and everything else. Exactly. Um, you're going to have a lot of guys testing positive and there's not going to be the classrooms. It's going to be a lot of zoom meetings. It's going to have, you know, guys broken up separately. Your quarterback room is going to be very separate. You can't have them all in the same room because if one quarterback gets it, pretty much the whole room gets Corona. So it, it's going to be a lot of changes on the front. And, and I'll, I'll be surprised when we see this to get up and get going. Um, but I think you're going to go through a, a really deep roster. You know, you're, you're going to use a lot of guys. I imagine this season. That was going to be my next question to you, Julie, was the jersey swap and then other guidelines that came out today was the, the players' lockers in the locker room is going to be separated uh, six feet away from the next guy. How? How and does that happen? Have exactly. you all locker rooms? Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, in, in a training camp, you have 90 guys. And, and okay, let's say they mm -hmm. set aside some extra areas. But with the 53 in that locker room, like, okay, so even then you're just going to have to break it up and where they don't get to shower at home. I mean, I just – it. it and then that, that's 
you can't have them in the locker room like that, but on the field, they stand right next to each other and are sweating and tackling again. Like, again, where's, where's the pro? I just, it just seems like, I don't know. It, it, it's a little bit baffling to me that, you know, the social distancing, but let's go out and play the game. I mean, you can't social distance in the game itself. Yeah, I know Richard, yeah, Richard Sherman yeah. was the uh, 49ers made a comment for that today. And a couple yeah. of NFL players did as well. Like, yeah, we cannot jersey swap at the end of the game, but we're tackling each other for two and a half, three hours, and then we're supposed to be quote-unquote safe. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you know, and there's going to be a lot of testing and a lot of testing and more testing and what every player, every person that comes onto the field has to be tested. Anybody with a temperature over 100 will not be allowed in. Um, you know, forget the media going to locker rooms. That's not happening anymore. You're going to have them, you know, lined up maybe uh, like kind of like when you go like the Grammys where you're six feet apart and they come to each person or you're doing a lot of Zoom interviews afterwards. So it's just going to be a very different look until we really know how to have this coronavirus handled and, and locked down. But I mean, you even see in college sports, like, you know, they're the Big Ten saying we're only going to play conference games. Um, but the problem is, is because there's so much money behind all of it. They have to try and get something out there. But for the players that will end up missing a game because they test positive for coronavirus, they'll miss one, if not two games automatically, if you test positive for it. Like, are they, do they get paid for those games for not being out there? Um, you know, and some are saying that they weren't. So it's like, again, what are we, what priorities are we putting out there? Um, and of course, I think it all comes down to protecting the NFL and protecting their dollar a lot of times. I was just going to, we're, we're going to get to the college stuff in a little bit, Julie, but Kevin Harlan actually said something pretty interesting a couple of weeks back saying that, well, don't be surprised if they only do divisional games. Do you see that happening that they may have, the NFL may have to make some adjustments to their scheduling? Well, so I interviewed um, Demora Smith, the NFLPA executive director, and I interviewed um, one of the, the lead doctors for the NFLPA as well. And I said, whatever you put out the schedule, print it on tissue paper, because it's just going to seem too impossible that things aren't going to be pushed back. And you're already seeing that with other leagues that are trying to come back. Like, um, you know, I was just reading in, in MLS, I think, you know, is it Phoenix or Arizona when the teams like now they had too many tests positive, they're, they're yeah. not even going to be in there anymore. Yep. You know, so when you're probably, if you're going to run into that, I know they're going to try to get whatever games out that they can. Do we get the full um, 17 weeks and 16 games? Um, I don't know. I mean, are there going to be interruptions in it? Because it, it just doesn't see how it can be fair if you end up having so many guys on your team testing positive for coronavirus. And then again, like, it, I feel like there's going to be a big asterisks next to the season, whichever way. Um, but I know they're going to, they're going to do their darndest to try and get, to get the full 16 in just because there's so much money. And they're already losing tons of money because you're not going to have as many fans there. Um, and that was a big revenue for them. Um, and then who really wants to play in a game without fans? I mean, the fans, that's a huge part of the game and the experience. And for the players, too, to hear the chanting, to always have that home field advantage. And now you're not going to have that. Um, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm very curious to see how this plays out. And, you know, it's like you have your fingers crossed hoping that camps will get started on time. And we've seen in Major League Baseball, so once they were canceling practice because they couldn't get the test results back in time. Yeah. So are you even getting the test results quickly enough when you're trying to test however many hundreds of people every day when they come in? And this is something they're going to have to be doing every single day. So um, I think there's just a lot of logistics that are going to have to be worked out. Before we move on, Julie, to other sports, uh, one, one, one last question regarding the NFL. Of course, uh, they announced a couple of weeks ago that the first week in the last week of the preseason has been canceled. We've been saying on this show that um, it's been talked even before the situation we're in right now that the preseason should be just uh, two weeks. 
Uh, do you see the NFL canceling the rest of the preseason schedule, or do you think it's going to go on that schedule, just play this, each team play their two preseason games? Yeah, I know the NFLPA voted unanimously to just not even have a preseason, just don't even risk it. Um, all together, but I, I I see why you would need that to try and, and adjust to the rosters and trying to get your quarterbacks ready and to try and get your system into places. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I I'm I'm hopeful you can get something out. I mean, I, I I want as much football as possible, but I know nobody really cares for the preseason games. They don't count. They don't matter. It's just for coaches trying to really I think evaluate rosters, and that time's going to be. Um, shortened already because you haven't you know even seen your guys on the field yet and then you're going to have to now just a training camp really try and and get those those projections out to try and get to your 53. So let, let's go to like some of the other sports that are going on the NBA is you know players and teams are on their way to that bubble down in Florida um, with the Wizards uh, you know, especially um, Bradley Beals already said he's not going to be able to he's not going to you know, play because of a shoulder injury we were joking with some of our some of our, our good friends who host another podcast that said, well, don't be surprised if the, if the Wizards end up winning it because, you know, that's just how crazy it is. So what do you think of the Wizards' chances in this NBA bubble? I know many think that they shouldn't be there. And, and look, the way that their season went, uh, I did an interview with all of the head coaches in the Washington, D.C. area, and, and head coach Scott Brooks was just joking around about, you know, how many times they had to adjust and shift, shuffle their roster because of injuries uh, this year. And, and he's never had to deal with so many different players coming through. So the fact that they are included in this, I think if a lot of people were just shocked uh, to begin with, the media was shocked. I think players were probably even shocked at the way that the, they, they planned it out, that they were able to go down there and play in Orlando. Um, you know, the Bradley Beal shoulder injury was something not many people really knew anything about. Of course, you know, why would we if there hasn't been uh, basketball for three months or more to kind of know what kind of injuries were out there? Um, you know, and a lot of players are having to make choices on whether or not they want to play because of coronavirus, if they're putting their families at risk or because of the social injustice. Like, do they think that a lot of them are saying, is it even fair to go play basketball when people are still protesting and we haven't gotten to, you know, everything accomplished that they want to get accomplished? Um, and But they have to be leaders and examples in that. And I think that's just the interesting part coming into this in the restart and go figure it all going to Orlando, which Florida is, you know, now the hotbed for coronavirus, but you've got them taken away from their families for the three months. And, and I think that's going to be a challenge, but um, all that said, it's, it, nothing would surprise me because what happens if, you know, LeBron James gets Corona and, you know, your top players get it and, and they're out uh, and then it's really becomes anybody's game. And so, you know, you could have the team likely sneak in that nobody's thinking of just because this, this disease and this, or this virus is just impacting us in ways that we just still don't even really fully know um, how it's going to play out. I think Julie, you and Lakina both bring up great points. I was listening to Kenny, the Jetsman, former NBA player now with Turner Sports and that great program inside the NBA. He, he was telling these two hosts and he said that that scenario could happen. I think, he pitched the Dallas Mavericks to win it. I, uh, if I had, had my memory yeah, served correctly, he, uh, um, he picked them, and he said he gave, also gave the Denver Nuggets a chance uh, as well. Because, like you like you said, Julie, if LeBron James and or Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, right. uh, they get the virus, uh, I think the league will, will shut down, or you, you'll get a team like your Wizards or the Bucks that they have a, a, a healthy chance of winning the title. I mean, I know they want to try and, and, and make this happen, um, you know, and, and it, it's every, I think everybody really wants that. And we, we've been so deprived of sports. Um, again, we just don't really know how it's going to play out. And, you know, everyone I talk to says, 
look, what, just when you think you, you answer five questions about what you can do and what you can do to try to get back safely, five more questions arise from answering those first five questions. So, you know, will they fully be safe when they're back practicing? You know, I mean, how many different balls can you go through to think that you're safe because you're not getting sweat? You're not supposed to like, you know, in baseball, they're, they're saying like, you can't, you know, pat anybody on the, the back or the butt anymore, no high fives. Well, that again, it's, uh, we we're saying about football, that is, that's one thing in baseball to try and limit that, but that's impossible in the NBA. I mean, this is one of the most physical, you know, in your face games. And you're just going to think by giving however many different balls in a game that you're going to keep the players safe. Um, and by keeping them in quarantines for three months, um, you know, I mean, it's what they have to do for their families, what they have to do to try and get the sport back. But it's just going to be interesting when, when some of the star players start getting it and then the whole team's in infected. Um, so I, I don't know that it'll get finished. I don't know. I, I'm all for them trying to start, but I'm not sure it's it's the it's going to be play out the way that we we hope it will. I'm, Julie Donald, oh, go yeah, ahead. Julie Donald, yeah, okay. Julie Donaldson of NBC Sports Washington is joining us right here on Take City Sports, along with Lakina McGee. I'm Sydney Brown. Before we move on to other sports, Julie, I want to get one last question in for you regarding the NBA. Where you brought up the social injustice issues that the uh, players around the league have been uh, uh, protesting about and expressed their concerns. Of course, the NBA is allowing the players to have uh, special messages on the back of their jerseys for this restart. Uh, no names of any particular victims that have been uh, victims of any racial injustice, but they're going to have general messages allowed uh, uh, on the back of their jerseys. What are your thoughts about it? Do you think it was a good idea by the league? Uh, you know, that I, I don't have any issues with that, you know, and I know they're going to paint the courts and, and they're giving them the, the, the right to use their voice. I have absolutely no, no qualms with them using their voice in this and, and causing it and bringing attention to that. And again, hoping that it becomes more than just the conversation and more than just the words, but it becomes actions behind it as well. <laughs> and I think that's, that's everybody's goal in this is to not back down until we finally do get to the place where we feel like we all have the equal opportunities um, for success, for the freedoms that this country was founded on to be able to have. So no, I don't, I don't have any, have any problems with that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a time where you, you need to be sensitive to that and it needs to bring awareness that that's going to help and let them have their voices and let them have that opportunity. Let's go to some, to baseball. I got the Nationals, of course, the defending World Series champions. You know, all the teams are there's some some MLB teams have to have you know had to cancel practice or have to postpone practice because like you guys just mentioned the testings the results have been delayed. There have been some qualms that folks have said that they may not be able to finish like the NBA. Do you think the MLB will be able to finish this season, Julie? Well, you've got like 90. So how long does it go till? Um, Again, it's, I, I just think it's everybody's looking to see what's going to happen. I mean, baseball's looking to the NBA. The NBA is looking to soccer, you know, and the NFL is paying attention to how everything's going and college football. And, you know, you see a lot of them just even canceling fall sports um, or postponing it until then. Um, I just think there's just so many unknowns and uncertains um, in this. And then, again, once you start getting a whole bunch of testing positives back and you start getting 12 on a team, which we've already had, to where you don't have enough players to even make up a team, you've got, you know, you've got a problem. Um, but it is easier, I think, for them to social, social distance in baseball. Maybe if, if any sport does have the actual chance to be completed, it might be just that. Um, you know, and I know they have different times, the players coming in and they having to leave. But um, it's, it's real it's – real, interesting in the sports world you know I just hope that we're not trying to rush things back for the sake of, of 
again, of the dollars, is it, or is it just that you actually have the fans that um, interest at heart? No, it's, it's, again, it's, it's the money, it's the contracts, it's trying to get everything done and cramming it in. But, um, you know, if you rush it too soon, then we've already seen those places that open up too soon, you have a bigger problem than if we would have just waited a little bit longer. Um, so, you know, while I know they're anxious to get their livelihoods going, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just praying that this doesn't really cause really big problems for people and their families. And sticking with baseball news came out today that Buster Palsy of the San Francisco Giants is going to opt out of the season uh, uh, due to uh, concerns of the coronavirus, excuse me, uh, uh, and with his family. Of course, we all know that David Price now with the LA Dodgers, he's not going to play this year. Mike Trout, some people can argue he's the face of the sport of the LA Angels. Uh, he's in limbo right now. His, him and his wife are expecting their first child any moment now. Do you think we're going to see more of the big name stars uh, withdrawing themselves from uh, playing this season? Yeah, you know, and, and for a lot of those stars, well, they probably have the finances they can afford to just take the year off and, and you know, spend it with their families, be safe. Um, you know, and I know a lot of them are, are concerned because they do even, it's, you know, new children coming in or elderly or just wanting to, you know, having family members that are at risk for a lot of things that Corona could expose further harm and danger to. Um, and I think that's something you have to take in, into consideration. I know Ryan Zimmerman of the Nationals, he's not going to be playing this year. Um, he's already at the end of his career, but he's, he's a big enough a name to say it's just not, it's just not worth it. And for the guys that have the luxury of being able to say that, again, you, you, know, you have a lot of the minor leaguers that, you know, this, this is the money that they're getting um, is not necessarily even enough to make ends meet. But you have those that are in the position of saying, you know, I can afford financially to take a year off. And I'm going to be smart decisions with that. Um, I, I would imagine you'll see quite a few more coming up because it's just too much of a hassle. It's too much stress. And you hear a lot of guys saying, you know, a lot of the fun, a lot of the things that they love about the game is taken away from them because you have camaraderie. And now you're trying to say that you can't have that because you have to social distance. Um, you know, so there might be quite a few that just say it's just not worth the hassle. Also with no, no spitting, no uh, scratching, none, none of that stuff. I mean, all the stuff that, you know, that's synonymous with baseball. Now they got to make those types of adjustments. Um, do you think they'll they'll even you know finish? Because there seems to be like a lot of hassle here going on, especially with now the testing and everything. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, again, I just think it's it's everything's been going on is uh, how many tests do you have to do? Everybody that comes in, keeping them, keeping up with it, um, making sure, and then you know, even those that don't have symptoms that, that you know it, that if you test positive, like you just can't be around anyone and you go into quarantine, and it's just. It just is, you know, it's, it's a very unfortunate, un insecure time um, for sports. And, you know, I, I look, I'm anxious to work. I'm anxious to be back in the studio. But even then they're saying, look, you're going to be by yourself. You can't roam around. You're not going to be watching the game with everybody else. They're going to be working remotely. And it takes a lot of the, you know, the things that we got into this business for. It takes a lot of that love out of it. Um, I want to be able to get back and be back to normal. And I want to be able to see the seasons finished. I just have to wonder how many asterisks you have to put by whatever seasons, depending on should the big stars go out? Should they sit out? Should they not be there? Our team's not at full strength. Um, you know, is one team hit more than the others, you know, and so then you get a champion at the end of the year and it's like, okay, well, you know, it was a bit of a fluky year um, to, to have a title. Yeah. And speaking of the 60-game schedule for the MLB this year, Julie, of course, the Washington, your Washington Nationals, they were 19 and 31, I believe, last year after 60 games. If they were to have that start this year, they wouldn't have won the World Series. Of course, this year, uh, there's a lot of teams that could uh, – there are a lot of young teams that are in limbo. They could, if they get on a hot streak, they could perhaps win it all, at least 
give a few big teams to scare, including your Nationals, of course. Anthony Rendon left for the LA Angels this offseason in free agency. Uh, do you think the Nationals have a chance to repeat, or do you see a team like the White Sox or maybe Cincinnati or Arizona uh, um, surprising people this year? Yeah, you know, a lot of the the chemistry that brought the Nationals team together just isn't isn't there now. Um, and and we also know the the hardest thing to do outside of just winning the title is to win it back to back. I'm not sure exactly how many times it's happened, but I believe it's like in the single digits of teams that are able to yeah. win the World mm-hmm. Series and back to back. And those are teams that obviously went out and you know spent crazy money on all the the players as well. You saw a lot of guys leave that I know that were the heart and soul of that, and and they had a, a very unique chemistry. Um, and you know what uh, Davy Martinez was able to do with that team, and when they were pretty much just saying that fire Davy, just you know at the trade deadline, get rid of the whole staff, just get rid of the team, blow it up, and start all over again. They had something that they believed in. They believed when they were healthy that they could win it, and that was the motto: is just win your day, win your day. Um, so you know, with that being said, maybe they can create that magic again, and it comes up something else. But it, it was just something that came in together organically. Um, from them. So it's nice to be able to see the pitching staff still uh, intact because we know that that's really what it boiled down to at the end of the day was getting that pitching um, out there. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know how to pick a favorite in in this climate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk college sports for a second. I know you, you cover college sports as well. The Big Ten announced yesterday that they're only going to do conference games, you know, not just for football, for all their fall sports. Um, I know you're, you're, you're Gator, you're Florida Gator, so the SEC has not announced whether or not they're going to go the same route. I know that the ACC they're thinking about it. I know the Pac-12 thought about it as well. What do you, do you think there is going to be a college football season, and what, if, if so, what kind, what type? Yeah, well, you're not getting the full game schedule already, especially with the Big Ten saying they're just going to stay in conference. You know, and those are the big powerhouses that have that have the finances to do the testing to make sure that they, you know, can stay up with that. And I think that some of the other smaller schools don't have that um, ability just to be able to do that every single day that's required and to keep them in there every single day for that. So, you know, they're going to try and get the same thing. It's going to come down to the dollars. They are going to try and get in as many games as they can. And I think everybody's for games being played if they can be played. But I think the Big Ten has always been a little bit on the forefront of, you know, taking these chances and, and, you know, um, getting out there and saying, all right, this is what we're going to do best for us. So it's going to impact a lot of schools. It's going to impact a lot of the ways that you look at games and you would watch. Um, You want to have some of the same rivalries that I know you always look forward to, but um, I know ACC is getting delayed. And it wouldn't surprise me. I know the SEC probably is going to be reluctant to want to do that. I think everybody's reluctant to want to do it. Um, But again, is that a way that they could kind of contain this? Um, do they feel like they have more power and control over the conference schools um, and, and, and the way that they are going to be managing uh, how their players are getting exposed to and the testing? Um, I guess that they're thinking they're hoping that that's going to be the case so they can at least get some games in. Spring season, maybe? Yeah, you know, I mean, that's the big thing. It's like a lot of schools are even to what just have already even canceled fall sports and putting it in spring but then you have the problem of like you know the seniors and the you know there's a lot of other logistics that you really have to work out because then what about the spring sports can you double down with all of that can the school programs handle all of it um you know it gets it gets very tricky uh but i do think when you see like you know the ivy leagues they're always on the forefront saying look we're getting out of this this is just not safe when they're saying look we're just not even going to do fall um i think there might be something to that 
Last few minutes with Julie Donaldson, a friend of the show from NBC Sports Washington on Second City Sports Zoom Sound, along with Lakina McGee. I'm Sydney Brown. Before we move on to hockey, Julie, uh, one, last, one last point I wanted to make about the college football. I, I read a stat today uh, that said that the, the Clemson Tigers and head coach Dabble Swinney, 37 of his players had tested for the coronavirus, and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish only had one person tested for the virus, and that was a staffer. I just see that uh, there's something wrong with this picture. I know, like you said, we all want to see sports back and as safe as possible, but I just think that people are just uh, mishandling their priorities uh, and just putting one thing over the other. And with uh, college kids, uh, it seems like some of these coaches, they think they can do whatever they want, even though most of those, all those players are on scholarship. But the professional sports, they cannot get away with that much. Dabble Sweeney is, uh, is doing down there in Clemson. I just, I just see that there's just, just something wrong with that picture there. Yeah, I mean, there has to be a certain amount of, I guess, accountability for the players and, and just, um, you know, the, what, they're, what they're doing and how they're handling. I mean, look, every time you hear a press conference from the White House, they're trying to talk to the millennials and to the younger generation saying, hey, you've got to be safe. You've got to wear your masks. And, and I think that's something that's just um, you have to impress on them that they have to have that responsibility um, and make sure that they are responsible for their teammates and for themselves. But, but um, yeah, real interesting how that sometimes these things are playing out. It's just crazy. <laughs> I know, so I know you it want is. to get into it the is. hockey. It is. It really is. It's just unfortunate. So I know, so I want to get into hockey with this 2014. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. You know, this 2014 tournament that the NHL is doing. Of course, the Capitals are a part of that, and also the Blackhawks and the Lightning, among others. What do you? I like how they they set up with the NHL and how they're you know they're taking it slow. They're being you know very cautious. And they're playing everything by ear. So do you think that the, the, the NHL can finish these playoffs, if you want to call them that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just kind of seems like it's, again, it's, it's like, it like feels like it's the same as everything else. I mean, how hockey guy, there's a lot of sweat going on in hockey, you know, even though they're on the ice and mm -hmm. in that room afterwards. So, um, you know, you, you've got the, the 2014 format for the for the postseason. I know, again, it probably gives a lot of teams maybe better chances that might not have had them before. Again, you haven't seen a lot of guys on the ice out there for a while. Um, hopefully it won't get pushed back further. Um, but, um, I mean, I'm all, I'm all for it coming back. I'm all for the Capitals trying to get mm -hmm. going again. Yeah, and speaking of the Washington Capitals, I know you covered that team that won the Stanley Cup a couple of years ago over the Vegas Golden Knights. Me personally, even though I'm a Blackhawks fan, I was happy for Alex Ovechkin finally getting his first so Stanley Cup. Uh, talk, talk to us about uh, Alex Ovechkin and what were, how you're dealing with him, um, dealing with him uh, being a part of the media. Yeah, it's it's cool to have seen how he's grown from the you know the little kid that they drafted here, and even then it was the Rock the Red finally came a thing a little bit later, and he was really behind that and really kind of gave the franchise hopes and the growth that he's had from being what 18 years old or so when he was drafted to now having his second child and you see all the gray hair, um, you know, growing in. But finally, the one thing that kept eluding him, yeah, was that cup. You know, he was up there every year, you know, getting the, you know, the, the reward, scoring the goals and, and being the hope for this team, but finally being able to get that. Um, and and I, I still believe that this team has the ability to be able to grab another one, especially while he still um, is the greatest that there is out there. Uh, you see him moving his way up into being one of the greatest of all times with how many, how many with, with him on the leaderboard getting to was it 700 um, yeah. with hit the goals. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, 
yeah, he's, you know, and the town loves him. You, you could have an argument of, you know, who is the biggest star in Washington, D.C., and uh, Ovechkin's going to be probably right there at the top uh, in, the, in the competition for it. Also, shout out to TJ Yoshi doing that yes. uh, parade uh, in that celebration, drinking the Bud Light through his jersey. <laughs> I don't know where they came from, but I thought that was just awesome. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it's cool because now you're seeing like uh, you. Uh, we saw Ryan Kerrigan do that, and I was like, "Does Kerrigan even drink beers?" But is he really? He really went in for it. Um, <laughs> yes, it's fun is. to see the. the it, it's fun to see them all kind of like rallying behind each other as well. But they, they did any? Has anybody else really enjoyed their their parade um, and their celebration like the the like the Capitals did? I mean, you're just downtown, and they just went to every fountain and just took the cup with them marching all through the streets and, and people you could imagine you're just having your lunch and all of a sudden Ovi and all the guys just run on up and you know drinking out of it everywhere it was they they I feel like they thoroughly enjoyed that for for a good while see well well we'll do a little let's do a little MLS here in the last couple minutes we got with you Julie um you know, Nashville has had to withdraw because a lot of their guys have tested positive, tested positive for Corona. FC Dallas is already out. So as for, you know, what about your DC United? Everything okay with them so far? What do you think about their chances uh, are for this, for this MLS? I'm not, you know, in all honesty, I'm, I'm not sure. I can't say I've, I've done um, too much with that, but it, it is disheartening and it is disappointing to see that, uh, you know, there's so many testing positive in, in it and that the whole team just can't even be a part of it. So, um, you know, I think that just makes it again, kind of a little bit unfair and it opens up the doors probably for a lot of others to be able to have the opportunity to come on in. Um, you know, I know we worked a lot with Bill Amid, um, the goalkeeper here, and he's been very vocal just on the social injustice and wanting yeah. to get back to play and you know, their season was just getting going and yeah. um he was in line after you know the season he had last year to really you know to to be again one of the best um in that and then it just everything was put on on hold so you know as you do see them trying to come back you just hope that they're they're going to be able to get the games in and that you don't have to keep having these other issues where you've got 12 guys testing and you don't have a team anymore yeah Sid. Said, oh, I think he, I think he paused for like, couple more minutes here with Julie Don. Is he frozen? Yeah, yeah, I think he'll, yeah, he'll be back in a bit. Uh, <laughs> couple more minutes here with NBC Sports Washington's Julie Donaldson here on Second City Sports on Chicago, on uh, Zoom style right here on Zoom. So there's Sydney. He's he's moving again. Sid? Yay. <laughs> yeah, there yeah, you I mean, are. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to ask Julie one last question before we spring you. Yeah. Uh, what have you been doing during this downtime of quarantine? Have you watched any new TV show pro TV shows? Have you watched old classic games? Uh, what, what have you been doing to keep yourself busy? <laughs> You know, when, when it first hit, I actually um, had, a, had a flight that I took down to visit my sister in Fort Lauderdale. And so um, I went ahead and just did that. And I spent three months down there with her and was able to at least get out and go biking, to go paddle boarding, to kind of at least be able to get outdoors um, and not be feeling like so contained and locked up. But I also started doing like how people are working from home. And so I interviewed, you know, a lot of different head coaches. And within the first week, I had at least 12 different interviews set up on how people are adjusting to their lives at home. So I've been kind of grinding. It wasn't until these last few weeks that I've actually been able to sit back and, and kind of do the whole Netflix thing and try and get through the shows. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I picked up some, but in all honesty, I, I, I feel like I'm at a lock of finding good quality shows. So if you have any to recommend, I mean, I already went through Ozarks. That was like the easy one. I didn't do Tiger King. I just couldn't get behind that. And I, I feel like Corona is the only reason that thing got any attention. Um, but I just didn't, couldn't see myself getting wrapped up into to any of that. But, um, and I, I read books. Um, I've really enjoyed reading the books and, and just,
just trying to, you know, in safe ways, um, be able to, you know, not be totally limited because I think we do need to be able to get out and, and, and go for the walks and the hikes and make sure that, you know, um, we're safely doing that. But I, 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 man, I'm so ready to be able to get back into a studio and work. Yeah, we, we hear you right we there. We hear we you. Wait to, yeah, we can't wait to actually cover live events as well. So we get back to some type yeah. of normalcy because even though this time bubble is probably much needed for everybody in society, uh, we need some normalcy back in our lives, especially with live sporting events. Yeah, you know, and and, and I, people will watch if the games are on. I mean, that's mm -hmm. not the question, but it's people love going and you love the camaraderie that you get from that. You know, the high-fiving, the hugs, the chance, and, mm -hmm. you know, and the fact that you go up to people now and you're like, oh, I can't even shake your hand, let alone give you a hug. It's just, it's it's weird. And you're having to talk behind masks and, and communicate behind that as best you can as well. Uh, it's, it's just going to be, you know, when we do get back again, I said, when we get back to work, it's like a lot of people are still going to be at home doing all of this. And that makes me sad a little bit, but at the same time, um, great things have been able to happen because of that. I know a lot of businesses think that, okay, we can function maybe even just fine with this, but you know, for us in sports, we want to be with each other. You know, we, it's like, we want to be with our teammates. Um, and, and that's what it's all about is being with your teammates, being at the field, smelling the sweat, the grass, you know, and, and hearing it. Um, so you know, I don't know. I mean, they're even saying with training camp that they'll have just maybe one camera and the media is not allowed in and everybody just, just takes the feet off that one camera. And, you know, I always enjoyed training camp and, and getting to learn the new staff, the new players and, you know, see the long days and the, the hot summer heat. And so now just thinking that you're just going to have to sit back and, and watch it. It just doesn't, well, it doesn't translate the same, but uh, look, we'll give it a go. Right. We'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll try. Gotta try. Right. We'll try. All right, that was Julie Donaldson in front of the program of NBC Sports Washington. Thank you so much, Julie, for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Uh, keep up the great work. And before we let you go, where can people find you on social media one more time? Jay Donaldson at NBCS on Twitter, Julie A. Donaldson on Instagram, and just Julie Donaldson um, on Facebook. All right. Thank you very much, Julie, once again, for uh, taking the time to join us today. Uh, let's do this again down the road. Hopefully we'll have some live sporting events, i.e. football, that you covered to talk about, okay? Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Julie. Safe travels. Thank you, guys. Hey. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Julie. Take care. Have a good one. And stay safe. All right. Yes. All right, that was, that was Julie Donaldson once again of NBC Sports Washington. We support her. We'll continue to support her. So yeah. follow her on social media right there, um, where, wherever you can find her, as she said. Lakina, I don't know about you, but that interview was so good. I need to take a time out yes. and take a breather here because in our next segment, we're going to have Don Mitchell of Fox 9 Television in Minneapolis, Minnesota. For those of you in the Chicago area listening to us that are older, you remember her on CLTV, now the DePunt channel. She was there during the late 90s and early 2000s. She's going to hop on and talk more about the Big Ten um, uh, with the football schedule, shrinking down to the conference game, and how the city of Minneapolis is doing following the murder of George Floyd. Yeah, we're going to have a lot to get to talk to with her. I'm looking forward to it because she was one of my favorites when she was here in Chicago. So we'll be right back at, after this break. Second City Sports, Zoom style. Zoom style.
All right, welcome back to segment number two of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style? Zoom. <laughs> Along with the <laughs> Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. And join us for our second segment for this week. I've been knowing her, well, at least through the radio for the last uh, six years, perhaps since 2014, working with the Dean Davis Show. She's a former sports anchor in Chicago. For those of you listening in the Chicago area, for those of you that are our age and older, you remember this uh, lovely young lady at CLTV in the late 90s through 2003, I, I want to say. She's the one, the only Dawn Mitchell, now working at Fox 9 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Dawn, welcome to the program. How are you today? Oh, it's so good to see your faces. I like the Thank Zoom you. style. I'm doing great. great. Yeah. Thank you. Great. We finally get to meet each other in person. Now you know what I look like. <laughs> yeah. Just what I expected. Handsome as all get out. Like, <laughs> gorgeous. Gorgeous. Oh, oh yeah. so are you. So are you, Don. Yeah. So are you. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> Before we get started, where can people find you on social media? So it's at the at say the Dawn AT Fox Nine. So it's Dawn at Fox Nine, but all spelled out. Cool. All right. Uh, let's let's get started with something serious first. Of course, mm -hmm. we all know that pro athletes, both black and white, have been protesting protested for racial um, injustice of following the murder of George Floyd on Memorial Day. We're going to have it right in your backyard where you were working at dawn. I wanted to ask you first before we get to the player social activism, how is the city of Minneapolis doing as they try to recover from this horrible tragedy? Yeah, thanks for asking that because I live maybe three miles from where it happened, from where George Floyd lost his life. And um, right now, things in Minneapolis are very calm and, uh, and I'm, I'm proud of the people for the calm protests after. I went down to the memorial just before 4th of July and it's, it's beautiful because it's not just one area. It's sad, heartbreaking and beautiful, but I, I don't know if you've been keeping up with it. There's also um, a park that they turned into this powerful makeshift, if you want to say, graveyard for all of the names. And then up on the hill, it says, say their names. And, and then in the valley part, it's all these beautiful white tombstones with their names on it. And then a bench where you can sit. So you can walk in the different areas, but then you go down to where all the fires and, and everything was decimated and everything is bored up. It's like a five mile stretch. And that, it's very somber, but the fact that everyone is taking action still is the beautiful thing, if that makes sense. Yes. So yes, it's, it's a, I, just seeing everything go all the way across to France and, and to Europe and, and people doing the protests there, things have to change. And this is maybe the only way it gets done. And so we're healing here, I think like the rest of the nation is, but you don't really heal until things change. So I think that's, that's where we are now. And I know it happened in Chicago too. So I hope you are yeah. all feeling that there as well. Do you feel that change and your voices are being heard is my question back to you. I, th I think in some ways, yes, but like you said before, things do take time. Of course, the things are going to keep popping up here and there, but like you said, we're just focusing all on one goal. Things will change, and I, I think a lot, whole lot more people are listening now, for, at least from where I stand. 
also piggyback what Sid said, I think also voting too. I mean, let, let, let's have this energy in November and in your local elections. That's when things are really change. That's when real changes start. Lakina, thanks for bringing that up because the Timberwolves and the Lynx here in town, which I thought was beautiful, they said we're giving all of our employees that day, voting day, right. November 3rd, off the whole day. So you can exercise your right as citizens to not only vote, but to speak your mind. Just take that whole day. And, and I, I think that that's, it seems small, but I think that's a major step forward. Yeah, totally mm -hmm. agree. Now, um, to, to piggyback off of what I just said about the, the, the memorials and stuff, how that, what was that like those two weeks where you saw the fires and, you know, people being arrested in the rioting? What was that, what was that like being kind of in the middle of all that? Um, heartbreaking. And for me, the, mo the most heartbreaking was I still cannot watch George Floyd's video all the way through. And I, I get teary now. I said, I, I won't, I won't watch the very, I saw enough. And that was like five seconds of it, just knowing what had happened. Because uh, before the video even that I saw came out, I already knew what happened to him. And I, and I said, I can't watch that. But I know I saw enough of it, of him asking for his mom, you know, and everything is we know I can't breathe. That for me was heartbreaking. For it to happen three miles from where I live, not even three miles, was infuriating. And... I just think the subsequent days, the, the unknown happened, right? The protests were peaceful. And then at night, I understood the first night when people were angry and people were, were demolishing things and even the looting, I understand the anger. What I think the scary part was when other elements were coming into the city and no one knew. You don't know. I had never been under a curfew before. My parents never even gave me a curfew, you know? So I had never been under a curfew. I had never been, uh, you know, fearful for look for cars without license plates, you know? So it was, uh, and then to just watch. Of course, I work in a news station, so I'm watching my news station and I'm watching my colleagues out in the field and, and more about watching just the city burn and then people hurting. Um, that it was it's very it's still very much alive in, in my heart. Don Mitchell of Fox 9 television in Minneapolis, Minnesota joins us right here on Second City Sports Zoom style along with Lakina McGee and Sydney Brown. Don, let's get back to uh, sports on the field. At least we tried to. Uh, the news came out yesterday that the Big Ten and you're in Big Ten country as well with the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, the Big Ten for all their fall sports, including college football. We'll have a reduced schedule this year, only conference games only. There were some big matchups this year that we're all looking forward to. Michigan and Washington, Miami versus Michigan State. Mm -hmm. And there was a few others as well. I know your school was involved with this as, as well. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but what do you think about uh, the Big Ten um, making this move? Do you think that the other four power conferences will follow suit? You know, I, I knew for a while that the Big Ten was thinking about something like this, so it didn't surprise me when it actually came down the pike. However, I think a lot of fans are disappointed, but I think you, you have to put it in the framework of what's going on in our world right now. At least there's football, right? At least yeah. you're playing within your conference. You don't want people to have to get on planes and fly and take unnecessary risks 
more so than they're doing to already play in their conference. So uh, I think it's smart because from what we understand, it's the longer that you're inside an enclosed area, you know, so a longer flight for a non-conference game right now at this time, I, I just think the Big Ten ma made a really good move to do that. Before, we, we don't know how this is going to go, you know, so let's just take prudence over. I, I heard Badger fans saying it's the first time they haven't seen X, Y, and Z. You get the, the Gopher fans. I get on both sides um, <laughs> saying, saying they're upset. But, you know, I think, I think it's, it's the safe, I think it's a safe move. Don't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say that uh, how about maybe a spring season? Because some people are saying that maybe a spring season might have been better instead of just doing the whole conference only schedule thing. What do you think about that? Yeah, I also think you have to be fiscally aware of what's going on, right? And football right. programs carry a lot of these schools. So I, I think they're trying to be fiscally aware and also do it safely and, and try to get back to some sort of, there's, it'll never be normal like it was before, I don't think. I think we'll always have in the back of our mind, be safe, stay away. I think some things will forever be changed, but I think money's playing a big role. And to do it safely, we've all, so we, I have, my friend's kids are playing Little League Baseball again now, right? So they're playing. So I think, you know, it helps to get back to something. So you take a step forward, but you do it with, with uh, you know, safety in mind. Yeah. Let's move on to the NFL. Of course, the, they released their guidelines as far as social distancing is concerned. Uh, no jersey swap following the game, even though they've been tackling each other for two and a half, three hours. <laughs> in the locker rooms, their lockers are separated six feet away from each other. Of course, not every players going to be allowed into the facilities, especially during training camp. I know you cover the Minnesota Vikings for the station as well. So what do you think about all these rules? Because me personally, no jersey swap, especially as they've been tackling, sweating each other for two and a half, three hours in, in hot equipment. Anyway, that's just, that part doesn't make any sense to me. What are your thoughts? You know, it, it is a little silly, but I just don't know how much I know they'll be tackling each other, but you don't stay in that same area together all the time. And are they having face shields? I really don't know how the, what the equipment's going to be like, or you know, when you tackled, you have to you know hop right back out. Those jersey swaps, people are they're hanging out and hugging each other, and and, yeah. and it yeah. kind of yeah. it lingers for a long time, right? Um, it might be silly after they've just tackled each other, but it's not, it's necessary for the game for them to do that. It's not necessary to prolong it after. So I, I, I know the players might think it's a little silly, but you know, the league is also from what I see is, all right, listen, we're playing the game and, and we're trying to do it as safely as possible because we want there to be football. We want finances to go along. We want to be able to pay you, but we don't think that that is necessary. Do you think they play a full season? Uh, you know, I do. I, 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 maybe I could be wrong. Maybe things will spike again, but I do think they'll play full season. I don't know if we'll get any of the preseason in at all. I know they've already reduced it, but, you know, there's guys like Pete Carroll that's already coming out saying, if we don't play a preseason, I'm good with that. So, <laughs> you know, we'll see. You know, per, let's be honest. There's, there's really one preseason game that really matters, right? Right. <laughs> So True. when it comes down to it, so 
you know, we'll see. These guys are professional athletes. I think if they don't have a preseason for this year, I think that I think they'll be fine. I mean, look at the NHL. They're going right into it. They're having a little training camp and going right into there. So there has to be, you know, some consolations at this point. Before we move on to baseball, Don, I want to get in one quick question about your Minnesota Vikings. Of course, last year they finally won a playoff game for the first time in a long time before they got demolished by the central NFC champion um, 49ers. Of course, during the offseason, Stephon Diggs was traded to Buffalo and uh, you kind of had to revive your wide receiving core there. Uh, what chances do you give Minnesota uh, to uh, get back to the playoffs for 2020? All right, well, I have to correct you. They've won playoff games a lot in the past. They just haven't gotten to the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's true. Well, yeah. That's, true. Yeah, she's right. That's true, yeah. <laughs> true, yeah. <laughs> I've covered a lot. Unfortunately, the worst locker room I ever covered was 2009 with grown men crying in the uh, NFC Championship game um, down in New Orleans. So let me just tell you, lots of changes. So I think... All bids are off right now. Even this point of a regular season, I never guess because I don't know what a team is going to do or what their personality will be like till about three games into the regular season. Mm-hmm. It's true, right? Even if you got all the same people back, you know, sometimes the chemistry is, is wonky. Who knows? This year, no idea. On paper, the defense has a lot of changes. Our defense has a lot of changes going on, but the coaching staff is still the same, and they have a good track record of getting young talent up and doing what they want, you know, stepping up and doing stuff. So yeah, I, I hope. I mean, offensive-wise, it looks like that they'll be great. Defensive-wise, on paper, they have a lot of, you know, new young guys that are going to have to start and play. But overall – I just don't, I just don't know how the, it's the wild, wild west for this whole league this year. You know, it really is, but um, they've got a lot of good returners too. Their safeties are all set on defense. You know, their D-line lost in Everson Griffin. They lost Limbaugh Joseph. Those are not easy to replace. Um, Or Stephen Weatherly, but he was one of the products that kind of came up through the ranks, right? So we'll, we'll see how quickly Uh, it might be different you know, doing these Zoom practices once they hit training camp. So how quickly they can get it together at training camp will be interesting. Come more minutes with Fox 9's Don Mitchell here on Second Stage Sports Zoom style. Now, <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> now with the MLB well, with their exclusively Don Mitchell doing a little dance. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. That should that should be like the, yeah. uh, that should be a meme there right there. <laughs> so, uh, about the MLB in the sixty games, um, what do you think of the Twins' chances? Because with all this crazy stuff that's been going on, do you think they even finish? Though, actually, <laughs> they should. Be- I love the Twins' chances. Let me tell you, right. They were such a good team last year, and then they bolstered the team in the offseason. So they're in the same boat as every other Major League Baseball team, right? They don't know what's up either. But all we can go on is on paper, right? I've tuned into their Zoom practice sessions. You know, you can't really tell them, but they've got a great team. And Rocco Baldelli is a really good manager. He's a great manager. So um, just looking at it from – just a heady point of view, I, they look great. I think that they could really do some good stuff. So it's kind of sad that we're in the COVID year because I was hoping that, to see what this team would do. Um, you know, it, it's, 
people say, should this season have an asterisk on it? And people say, no, no, I think yes, yes. I think this whole year for everything should have an asterisk. Chronicle <laughs> Zoom, asterisk. You know, I mean, everything. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> right, nothing's the norm, but I, I like how the twins look for sure. And Donaldson, they've got, you know, uh, Nelson Cruz is coming back. You know, we'll see if there's bombas again, but, you know, um, pitching, hitting, but, you know, that's, that's what it takes. So we'll see. Watch out for those white socks. Whether we win it or not, we gotta watch out for us. We're coming, baby. We're coming. (laughs) (laughs) They're always coming. Let me tell you, I left in 2004, so my first year here was the year that the White Sox went to win the World Series. Ozzie Gian was there. Ozzie didn't even know I left. He called me Vegas. That's a whole other story. But he's like, Vegas. And we're in Minnesota. Vegas. what are you doing here? I don't see you at spring training. I don't see you at the cell. That's what he's called. <laughs> but I see you in Minnesota for this. Whoa, whoa, what? And I go, well, Ozzy, I, I, I live here now, Minnesota. He's like, how do you do that? Cover, cover teams. I'm like, no, I covered the, the Minnesota teams. Like, I, I moved. And he's like, he got, kind of gave me the eye. But of course, <laughs> that was the year. His team won the world. I'm like, Sir, it's me. It's me. <laughs> Every town I leave, they win. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyhow. <laughs> Asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so go ahead. Uh, just a couple more questions for you, Don, before we spring yeah. you. One, one real quick. Uh, did you watch the last dance? I know you came to Chicago just to tell him that second three piece. Yeah. Uh, did you? I know you watched it. Uh, what was your thoughts on it? Yeah, you know, he had just finished when I got there because I got late. I got to Chicago in '99. So, so, but I had the, you know, some leftovers from that team. I was addicted to the last dance. I'm originally from Boston. And, you know, I loved seeing the, the Larry Bird interactions. And, and, yeah. and first of all, I just love Jordan because I did get to interview him a couple times when he came back. You know, he came back to play against the Bulls um, when he was with the Wizards, who was with Washington. So it was, it was just kind of a, I loved every single minute of it. And what I tell my friends is, now you know why I love sports so much because I mean, nowadays, some of the athletes are glazed over and very protective, right, because they're social media. But back then, if you had earned an athlete's trust and you're not, you know, your microphone was away, they told you those stories, right? I could Mm -hmm. sit for days. Uh, You could fill an auditorium and just listen to these guys tell stories, right? So I said, this is why I love sports so much, because, yes, I like to tell their stories, but then you get the stories that you can't tell. Right. right until right. Jordan's old enough to not care anymore and then he lets it fly you know so I just that's the stuff I love I love hearing the behind the scenes stuff and to have that brought to light um, was just every morsel of it was fantastic I was so sad when it was over I'm like what am I gonna do now on my Sundays yeah but watch yeah. it again repeat yeah, yeah of course of yeah. course to keep it yeah. all alive. I also loved seeing the people um, that I knew, you know, at United. I'm like, oh my gosh, 
you know, I'm pointing mm -hmm. going, there's Steve Cashel in the background. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. there's Gene Greco. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. There's Cindy Brown, there's Akina. Well, speaking of myself, I don't want to brag, but uh, I told our previous uh, guest that we had on the, uh, during the last dance that my late mother and her family friend had season tickets to the Bulls at the old Chicago Stadium. Of course, you, you know what is going on, but you don't appreciate it until you get older. I just wanted to say that to you. I'm sure you, you realize this going to games as a, as a child and covering them now as an adult. You know, when you witness something, you know what's going on, but you don't appreciate it until you get older. And, and that's how I felt watching the last dances or going to those games at old Chicago Stadium, the noisiest, noisiest arena in the NBA. It was just nothing like it, especially during those matchups with the hated bad boy Pistons. Oh, those were a joy, uh, joy to watch, especially in 1991, rather, when we swept them right out of the playoffs. Yeah, you know, it also filled in a lot of the blanks for me because I was young for a lot of that, and I was back in Boston. So I understand, like, I remember being at the old Boston Garden for an old Celtics game, but I had never gone to the old Chicago Stadium. I mean, I was always at United Center. So for mm -hmm. me, you know, being uh, as a kid on the East Coast and seeing it through the, the um, leprechaun lens of the Celtics, it filled in a lot of blanks saying, I remember that. I remember they hated each other. Oh, that's why. You know, or I remember Jordan kind of rolling his eyes when someone said Isaiah Thomas in the past. Now I know why, you know, that <laughs> is like, yeah. yeah. Oh, um, yeah. You know, so, and even the timeline, it took me a little bit going back and forth, like, okay, well, what year, when was, you know, but I love it because it was kind of like a backstory way of telling the story, but I really had to pay attention, you know, how they went back and forth. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it filled in a lot of the blanks for me of stuff that I, w I was probably too young to really pay attention to. You know, I mean, when I was young, the only team that won anything when I was young was the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> then I leave town and everyone wins. So. <laughs> so <there you> go. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everyone. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One last question for it you. It is me. Uh, it is me. <laughs> no, no, don't blame yourself, Don. No, it has nothing to do, do with you. <laughs> One last <sighs> question for Don Mitchell, Fox 9 Television in Minneapolis, right here on Sega City Sports. Zoom style. She's not going to do this. There we go. <laughs> there she goes. There she goes. She got it. There we go. We talked about it before we brought you on here today, Don, about your time here in Chicago. Um, what did you learn? So your time working here in Chicago and what do you miss about not working in Chicago now? I always say this, Chicago is the most inclusive city I have ever lived in and worked in. And I have said this for years, even when I was there. So, you know, you can move somewhere and people might say, hey, so do you have plans for Thanksgiving? And you say, oh, I'm not sure. Well, in Chicago, do you have plans for Thanksgiving? I'm not sure. Well, do you? I'll come to your house. I'm going to pick you up. You're having Thanksgiving dinner at my house. And you're part of, and then they don't let you go. Like, I have people saying, when are you moving home? When are you moving back? And I go to Boston. They're like, no, Chicago. Here, when are you moving home to Chicago? Like, you're still a Chicagoan. We don't let you go. So when you're there, you are immediately brethren. And when you leave, you're still brethren. And that's what I love and miss about Chicago. Um, you know, they call it a city of neighborhoods, but I call it a city of families because I didn't have family there. And from day one, 
I had friends from the south side saying, come on, you're coming over for dinner. I had friends from the north side. It didn't matter. And it didn't matter where you were from. It didn't matter where you were before. You were in Chicago. Now you're one of us. And immediately, you know, we joke around in Minnesota that uh, you're always an outsider. I've been here 15, almost 16 years. I, I still think I'm an outsider. I love the people here. But you know, like you're, if you're, it's almost like back east. You know, if you're not born and bred there, you're not really from there. Right. Um, then you can, I can get grandfathered in. Like I, I'm think I'm under people's wings. But in Chicago, it was day one. Day one, you live here. You're one of us. And when you're coming back, you better come back. So <laughs> that's how I feel every time. Leanne Trotter is one of my dearest friends in the world. She's still uh, in Chicago, working at MAQ. And I'm telling you, family, that's what it is to me. And there's somebody I could probably go another 20 minutes and say all of my close friends that are family to me, and they're, they're all from Chicago. So I love that town. And I, I love the restaurants, and I, uh, you know, I love Navy Pier, like even though that, you know, that's touristy. I, I love the toll guys holding up traffic talking to me about sports. That's <laughs> what I miss. There we go. They'd be like, I gotta go. They're beeping. Oh, well, one more question. One more question. <laughs> I loved it. Loved it. Well, we well we miss you here in Chicago, Don. Oh. So mm. we can all miss you. Tonight. So we all miss we miss you every day. So <laughs> <laughs> you can, well, you can just zoom me anytime now. <laughs> oh, I, that yeah. I'll say. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness, Sid. Uh yeah, so Don, uh, we know you had, had to get back to work, but thank you so much for taking uh, time out of your busy schedule to join us today. I just want to say personally, thank you for your support from uh, the other show that I work with, the, the Dean Davis Show. Those guys appreciate it as well. Thank you once again for joining us today. You keep up the great work and, and stay safe out there. We'll have you back on again soon. And we're definitely friends for life, and don't you forget. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. Have Thanks. a great weekend. You too. You too. Stay safe. Stay safe. Uh, yeah. Thank you. You too. Uh, right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thanks. Right, you, you take care. <laughs> you take care. And that was Don Mitchell of Fox 9 Television in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find her on social media. Just Google her and you'll find her. Follow her, please. She's, she's a, a really great person. And it was a, it was a pleasure meeting her uh, for the first time today, of course, working with the Dean Davis Shaw. I booked her uh, as a guest for, uh, for, many, for many years, of course, uh, from the death of, of Flip Saunders to the death of Prince and uh, the matchup uh, during the outdoor game between uh, the, the Wild and the Blackhawks yeah. from 2016. All the big events that went on in the state of Minnesota. Of course, Bears, Vikings, of course. Of course. Uh, we always had her on the, sh on the Dean Davis show. We're going to have her back on this show as well. Because oh, as you, definitely. Yes, just her. She's very engaging. She's yes, she is. Very that's what she definitely speaks her mind. That's what we love yeah, about her. That's what we, yeah, that's what we like about her. And, you know, when she, when she worked here at, over, here at over at CLTV, I mean, you yes. know, she wasn't afraid to speak her mind then. So, look, mm -hmm. that, that, <laughs> she has not changed, which is a good thing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so right. what else do you have left on the docket since we have these few minutes left? Oh well, yeah. Uh, let's let's go in a little more depth about the Big Ten uh, first. You know, going to the conference only because I read some in some places where I think like 
the SEC, I think we talked about it with Julie Donaldson a little bit earlier, that they were, some of the other conferences were kind of caught off guard by the Big Ten going this route. I think for me, Sid, I don't know how you feel about it. Well, well we got a big announcement coming up. Not, 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 not like that, but we don't, never mind. But uh, <laughs> I might, have, I might no, I'll let the hang it for a second for people. But, uh, okay. but, um, but uh, I, I mean, like the NCAA, they put out a statement sort of say, well, you know, it's up to the conference. Basically say that it's up to the conferences and, and whatnot. So I, I think that someone needs to step in for the NCAA to say, okay, you know what, let's, let's think about, let's see what we can do and let's see what sort of the best course of action, you know, Lowry, for all these schools and all these programs. What do you think, Sid? Uh, I think it's something that these all the four uh, big conferences will consider because I think the Big Ten did it safe. And I will give our now new friend of this show and still good friend of the Dean David Show, Deanne Miller. We had her on a few weeks ago, and she said that it's, it was a strong possibility that these conferences can only stay to will go to conference only schedules. And look what's happening right now with the Big Ten. I will not be surprised that the other four big conferences will follow suit as well because, like Don Mitchell just said. Uh, you you got to recruit some uh, money somehow. So just reducing it to about six or eight game schedule with uh, conference uh, exclusively only games, uh, you're going to recruit some money in that way. As we said for months now, you're not going to see a uh, full capacity of fans in the stands. Only if it's 25%, 30%, at least you're go, go, going to recruit some money in that way. Because as we said before, in these, many of these small towns, this is how they make their money. And this is how these universities, universities make their money as well through football and through basketball because without one of those big time uh, sports uh your school was failing and and we saw well with, with Stanford announcing earlier this week they had to um postpone or cut uh, i think 11, 11 of their non 11 programs uh that had nothing to do with basketball or football it's just saying and they're in a big time conference which is the pac-12 i believe yep so and, and you starting to see that in the big time conferences already if, if other schools or those five power conferences follow suit uh, is really going to get ugly. I feel for so like the non-power five and also like the lower tier FBS yeah. and also the FCS because for a lot of those schools, you know, they 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 make money off of those those big conference matchups. You know, mm -hmm. they get yeah. they they don't mind getting their butts kicked by like forty or fifty points as long as they get that million dollar or half million dollar or two hundred fifty grand, whatever it is. So they're gonna miss out on that. So how are they going to do this? Are they going to go just conferences? Are they going to try to maybe perhaps maybe go to the SEC maybe? And just, you know, that might be the only way to do it. So, and also. They may have to do something like that. Let's see yeah. who gets creative. Yeah. And also Notre Dame, you know, they're not even, even in the conference. So you got to wonder like, hey, what do they do mm -hmm. to play all their games in the SEC? And what about BYU? Do they, do they go to back to the Mountain West for, because that's the only that's the only really the way they could probably recruit some of their money. So, mm -hmm. excuse me, a lot of a lot of these programs are going to have to sort of make some maneuvering because I heard the Bowling Green uh, AD say, "Hey, look, this is just a tip of the iceberg." So, there might need to be some type of all types of maneuvering. And as for like maybe the spring season, what do you think about that? Because Lincoln Riley for Oklahoma, to his credit, he's been to say, "Look, I'm not going to risk my guys." you know, these, these workouts and stuff and that we've seen what happened with some of these other schools that we've mentioned these last few weeks. What about a spring season? What do you think? Uh, selfishly, I hope that doesn't happen, but if the worst uh, becomes the worst, which we hope that doesn't happen, but if, it, if things turn worse, especially in the states where the coronavirus, coronavirus cases has spiked up, like Florida and Texas and Arizona, then you will have to move it to the spring. 
But right now, I'm still cautiously optimistic that college football will start. Now, I don't know if it's going to start on time. I've always been skeptical, skeptical of that. But I, I think you'll, you will have some form of a college season. Um, now, a um, note of another big-time matchup that I forgot to bring up with Don Mitchell was, I saw this on television today, that speaking of Notre Dame, they were supposed to face Wisconsin and Lambeau Field yeah. on October 3rd. Yep. And now that's been um, canceled. So, uh, trust me, Notre Dame and Wisconsin will both be fine financially, but it's just that uh, I was really looking forward to that matchup as well. So, uh, uh, if you want to move it up to the spring, I think the worst of the worst will have to happen, but I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic, optimistic rather that you, we will see a college football season. Will it start on time? That really remains to be to be seen. Well, also the playoff too. I mean, they already said the the playoff people already said they're not going to make any changes right now. We'll see what mm-hmm. happens in about a month because you look at some of these matchups that's supposed to be coming up outside of the big, leaving the Big Ten out of it. You look at some of the matchups. What do you do when the Big Ten only has conference games to show for? And if the SEC keeps their schedule as is, do they get a leg up, you know, over the Big Ten, even though let's say if Ohio State or Wisconsin or Michigan or Minnesota, if, or any Big Ten team for that matter, what if any one of them go undefeated? Do they, do they sort of like get pushed aside because they didn't play any non-conference games? I mean, that's another thing that they're going to have to figure out. Yeah, that's a great point, Lincoln. I haven't heard that in all these uh, sports debate shows that have been watching for the last 24 hours or so. That's a great point. Does the college football committee use uh, the uh, schedule ranking system fairly with with the non-conference schedule basically omitted for this year? How are you going to go along with that? Uh, you're just going to have to just judge it on a week-to-week basis. And uh, let, let's be honest here. <laughs> Those non-conference uh, um, opponents, they, met, they matter just maybe uh, uh, whoever you talk to, they matter just a little bit more than the conference schedule. So uh, we won't have that argument this year, but I think you bring up an interesting point. Well, like I said, it's good to be Because you very... really don't play anybody outside your conference this year, so how yeah. do you really judge who's the best team in the country? And that's going to be sort of the big question with the, with the playoff committee is that Mm-hmm. Which which is going to be more going to be more prominent? Are you going to is it going to be the conf if you go undefeated your conference, or if you maybe maybe have one loss and that one loss is someone a strong team at a conference? So that's something that the the playoff committee is going to have to figure out. Yeah, and well, let's just say you go undefeated and you lose in your championship game. It depends on what the other teams have done in the other four big conferences. Uh, will that loss uh, still uh, hurt you as far as getting to the tournament? Who knows? Yeah, that's that's something to think about. So, what else do you have on your mind, Sid? Now we got a few more minutes. Uh, uh we didn't bring this up with our guests, but the Deshaun Jackson situation. Uh, yeah. I read the comments and I heard them. Uh, it's not a good uh, choice of words to say if you're Deshaun Jackson. First of all, we know that Adolf Hitler was a bad person. He tried to kill off a whole race of people, which was disgusting within itself, and it happened. But to use some words that wasn't even attributed to him, that's sad. And then for Steven Jackson, who yeah. has been very helpful, especially following the murder of George Floyd, he doubled down on what Deshaun Jackson said and then tried to apologize with Don Lemon on CNN a couple of days ago. Uh, I, I know Steven Jackson, is, uh, he's trying to uh, be, be, do the right thing and he's trying to be the voice for everyone. But yes, we all make mistakes. We all do slip up along the way. but. 
uh, it was bad for Steven Jackson, at least publicly, to defend Deshaun Jackson. It was just, that was just a bamboo. Just damaged like all the good will, all the good will he had built up over the last mm-hmm. month. Of course, you know we didn't, we forgot to bring up with Don, but he was one of he was one of George Floyd's good friends, and he's been sort of, yes. like upfront with the protesting and such. But these these comments by Deshaun Jackson, I think, was just horrible and horrific. And to L. Duncan, you know, ESPN, you know, she's become one of my favorite people. To you know, look, bigotry, racism, prejudice in all forms is wrong. And for Deshaun to say what he said, and also for Stephen Jackson basically agreeing with him, he tried to walk it back. But for at, at first glance, agreeing with him, that the, it doesn't make you you don't look good here. And Julian Edelman, you know, I implore people if you haven't listened to what he said. I mean, he said look, he's a he's Jewish. You know, he, there was a long time where he didn't want to say that he was Jewish because he saw what was happening, all the anti-Semitism that went on. Mm-hmm. He said that he did tweet this morning that he and Deshaun actually had a had a nice convo so and that and that's what you want because you want nuance you want people to kind of like okay you know what this is why what you said is wrong let's not cancel this this whole cancel culture I think is just counterproductive I've been saying that for the last month yeah like Larry Elder uh, the political commentator and talk show said it's really cancel culture is really revenge culture which makes no sense but he's absolutely right when he said that but yeah you can continue yeah yeah that that case I actually agree with him on that I don't agree with him on other stuff but that's a (laughs) that's a whole nother podcast (laughs) that's a whole nother podcast but yeah but uh, I actually agree with him on that but yeah Mm -hmm. I mean uh, uh, back to Element and Jackson um the fact that hopefully they can kind of like you know come to some common ground and that and Jeffrey Lurie, actually, who is Jewish, you know, he actually just, his production actually completed a documentary about Adolf Hitler. So I'm sure he's going to implore Deshaun to watch that once it finishes and once it finishes their post-production to sort of show people that, look, there are people, and I, and I saw this with some, you know, Jew, Jewish um, broadcasters and journalists on social media sharing stories about what their grandparents told them or what they were told. So I think people need to kind of like, you know, go to Auschwitz and, you know, read about, you know, watch Schindler's List and read about some of the stuff that's been going on in the history of the Jewish culture because they've been through a lot, too. Yes. And just putting hate towards another group of people, even though you want to have been, as the kids would say, been hated on, that's just not cool and that's not right. You actually don't gain anything by, by doing that. But with that being said, if, if this situation with Julie Edelman and, and Deshaun Jackson, if this helps make both of them better people, I'm all for it. That's what we need in our society right now. I'm not saying just come together, quote, unquote, just because, but if uh, people are actually willing to listen, like you said, like, you know, listen to everything and actually learn from each other, this world would be, in society would be a better place. Common ground. I think that's what, I think that's what yeah. we all, I think we both could agree that's what, that's what you want here is common ground and to have, mm-hmm. like, people can, can grow and change and evolve. I think that's what, so we saw with Drew Brees and his wife. I mean, we're seeing it with some other folks as well. So hopefully we can have it here. Agreed. All right. All right. Uh, one more thing I wanted to talk, to talk about before we wrap up here. Um, the MLS, the MLS is back. They're doing the, the bubble thing down in Orlando. Um, they've had their first couple of, couple of games. I think the fire, the fire actually was supposed to have played, I think, yesterday. But they're supposed to have played um, Nashville. But – They've had to leave because you know, a lot of their guys have tested positive, so they had to withdraw from the tournament. But some of the moments were like off the field. You saw um, a lot of the black players that they formed a union to kind of like bring about change and tolerance. 
and bringing injustice to the attention. And if you saw the uh, the matchup between um, New York FC and the and the uh, Philadelphia Union, the Philadelphia Union's players they had instead of the kilts with their names in the back, they actually had names of the of African Americans who have died with uh, police brutality on the back of their kilts. And some of the some of the white players have said that a lot of the names that they didn't, they didn't know too much about. So I think this is an example of you know you know, camaraderie and like, you know, having people learn and what's been going on and on, on, on all sides. Yeah, like you say, it's about educating yourself and educating each other. I did see those pictures of those uh, MLS players on social media, on Twitter, to be exact. But as Julie Donaldson said in our first segment from NBC Sports Washington, is putting actions behind those words. It's easy to tweet out a picture or a photo or a famous quote uh, to, uh, to those things along those lines. And I'll say, oh, okay, I did what I had to do. That's it. Let's clap our hands and go home. No, we had to dig in and do the work. And this is one of the ways to do it. As we've been preaching on this program for the last few weeks, voting, uh, educating yourself about not just your own culture, but other cultures yeah. as well. And then this is the ways that we become a better society. You become a better person as well. And also, hopefully, this will, this will bring about new change. The MLS seems yeah. to be very open to doing that. I think um, Thierry Henry, who's one of the co who's one of the coaches of I think I think the, the New York team though the, the Montreal team actually so ho- hopefully this will kind of help in that and, and I think they just hired I think one of the teams just they just hired uh, an African-American coach so hopefully that'll help to make it more bring more diversity bring more inclusion to the sport which you would think would be since you see a lot of black players players on some of these clubs and teams but Listen, Taylor Twelman, you know, you know, hats off to him. He's been very, you know, open and said, look, you know, soccer's are still a pretty racist sport. So I think that this, hopefully this will start to kind of go about change and act and more action. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. All right, anything else, Sid? Uh, as far as baseball is concerned, uh, they're back to, uh, training as we have been talking about for the last week or so. All. 30 MLB teams have had my math correctly. Yep. And they're back tra- training right now in their own home stadium. Of course, uh, uh, Buster uh, Posey is, is not with the J- San Francisco Giants this year due to uh, the coronavirus situation and, uh, and the safety concerns for him and his family. Of course, David Price, uh, who was just traded this all season to the L.A. Dodgers, he gave $1,000 to every minor leaguer in the Dodgers organization. He's not going to participate this year. I think you may start to see a growing trend, especially if MLB, as you brought up, I think, with Julie uh, Donaldson about the test being delayed with some of these teams. Some of these yep. teams had to shut their workouts down because, heaven forbid, that you, get, uh, you still work out. You don't get the test results back. You get the test results back, and your players are, are tested for the virus, and those uh, uh, potential players, we're working out with those guys who are not in, who don't have the virus, all of a sudden get infected. That would have been a major headache right there. So for those teams that uh, put their workouts to a halt until the test of results came in, that was actually a smart move. Yeah, I think the Cubs was one of the teams that had to do that. They had to delay some of their practice, had to delay mm-hmm. their practice because, you know, the, it was taking so long to get the testing. So yeah. MLB, I know Chris Bryant was outspoken about that. Yeah, yeah, he, ha- he, ha- he was also Rizzo too, Anthony Rizzo as well. Yeah. So this is going to be very interesting, Sid, because is this going to be a big problem once they actually do start playing these games? And if there is an outbreak with teams, 
what you know, do you have to shut the whole thing down? Do you have to like, does one team have to withdraw or have to leave because you know, you don't want to have to spread all over the rest of the, the, the other teams and the other managers and such. So this is going to be very interesting. And though all, all eyes are going to be on baseball, be, on MLB and also the NBA, because there's like, you know, it was, it was a little percentage of positive tests. You know, it came out this morning, but if you're going to have positive tests. I mean, there's no way to avoid it, but it'll be interesting to see how, if it's sort if it's contained or will it be widespread? Yeah, hopefully it doesn't uh, get that way for the NBA because uh, everybody else is all, all in one bubble. But it, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens as we brought up with the Julian with Dawn. If one uh, superstar, i.e. LeBron James or Giannis enters Kumpo, if they get tested for the virus or, heaven forbid, it spreads throughout the other players on their own teams or on other teams that they potentially can play against, uh, I think the league will shut it down. But hopefully it doesn't come to that. Uh, um, and we'll, they'll get the games in safely, and I just hope that everything goes well. I don't know if you watched uh, Sports Center uh, today or yesterday, Lakina, but I know Malika Andrews, who worked here in Chicago for a short time for the Tribune, she's one of their reporters now for ESPN, and she had to she has to do her reports now in a mask, and yeah. they had a behind the scenes of her arriving to Orlando, being tested every day, every day, because she's basically confined to her room until she has to go cover practice. I was like. Well, as we said last week, I believe that as we said last week, uh, uh, these players are confined to their uh, to their rooms outside of practice, and they can yeah. go out and do other things, but they can't really leave that bubble. So I'm not going to say they are in a prison, but and that's the way it sounds. But I know it's, it's keeping them and everybody else safe. Yeah, yeah, I think that uh, yeah, I think I saw that with Malika. Um, the, the the food they get that she has to get like you know, room service food delivered to her. They have yeah. to leave it mm-hmm. in the thing. They have to she has to let it go for maybe a couple, maybe a minute, about a minute or two before she can actually go outside to pick it up. Mm-hmm. And she has to wash her hands afterwards. Um, the, the basketball tournament's going on right now. It's sort of like this is for those who don't know the basketball tournament is sort of like you know all of the top players like from back in the day playing for the alma maters you know cute little nicknames um jennifer hale who does a great job you know covering sports down in fox sports in new orleans if you saw if you saw it um they went through the protocols there you know the players had to come in they had to get a temperature check and the reporters mm-hmm. like like jennifer they they had to you know she had to get her temperature check she had to like you know go to practices in the mass to cover those cover it and maybe have gloves on also her food's got to be delivered so this is a whole new world we're living in Sid, and it'll hopefully no one goes like stir crazy because this is something <laughs> that we're going to have to deal with for the time being yeah hopefully this doesn't last too much longer but this is something we have to get used to for the time being and like you always say like you know, wear your mask wash your hands and stay safe not just for yourself but for others and this is another prime example well, back to the NBA, the, the room setups are very, if you saw Pat Beverly's room setup, he has yeah. his games, he has his snacks, he has all his clothes all like in one, hang up in one area. So this is sort of like, I, I guess this is sort of like how all the, the players, the, the room setups are, are like. So, and you're going to be confined into that bubble. Um, Kawhi Leonard and James Harden, they are, they're not, they're not in Orlando yet. 
actually are going to come back. So I don't know if Harden wants to go to go into another strip club, get all out of his system before he has to go, <laughs> has to go in that bubble. But <laughs> but look, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you know, they got they got kind of like a hotline, the snitch line, as I call it, for you know, if anybody breaks mm-hmm. the bubble and breaks the protocol. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, who's actually going to use that line if you see LeBron James or Giannis? Okay. Are you, who are, who's going to have the guts to call the snitch line and say, I saw LeBron James out here. He was doing this. He was doing that. Yeah, I want to see who, who's going to be that person that who does that. Fun Kawhi. You saw, we saw Fun Kawhi over at Disney World. I mean, it's just right. like, I was like, okay, who's going to do that? That's basically, that's basically what it is. It's sort of like a snitch line where, like, a, right. if a player or, you know, they see a player or a coach or whoever break kind of protocol and not be in that bubble – I mean, I guess I guess it's a good thing that you know, they want to get all out, get it all out of their system before they have to go inside as well for the next next couple of months. But I, mm. I don't know. I don't know about you, Seb. I don't know how the mindset is if you're an athlete. You're going to be in that situation where you have to actually be stuck in that bubble. It's crazy, especially yeah, it, especially if you're in a state where like the COVID COVID uh, cases are just spiking like crazy. Yeah, my heart goes out to those players. As we said before, Lakina, uh, once once this eight exhibition slash regular season schedule is over whoever makes the playoffs they get to stay whoever doesn't absolutely they go home so then they don't those teams and players don't have to deal with it the whole time it's just that whoever who has the strong mental mindset yes they're professional athletes but who has a strong mental mindset and it's going to be the two teams remaining soon that we get through the schedule safely who's going to have the the, uh, the mentality and the mindset to deal with all the outside stuff because I think when they get on the court it's not going to be a problem it's going to be off the court where it's going to be more challenging. Yeah, especially not being able to see your family for those next couple of exactly. months. Especially if you got if you got a wife and young kids. You know, I'm sure I'm thinking a couple mm-hmm. of cases where their wives are pregnant. So it's it's sort of like, okay, what what's going to happen here? And it's interesting because in Europe, it seems like the the uh, the cases there have kind of stabilized. We're not seeing mm-hmm. a lot of issues with the you know, with the the club soccer tournaments. They're actually going to be resuming the Champions League next week and some other stuff has been, been going on Formula One also NASCAR you know Jimmy Johnson he tested positive but was able to actually get back in the race he actually got the all clear in just a couple of days later PGA Tours has some players test positive but you know they've, they've been able to soldier on Tiger's actually going to be back next week for the Memorial um, so yeah I mean it's good it's sort of weird how everything is sort of like manifesting here Sid because in some cases like, like things are spiking but then like other cases like they'll they would kind of kind of keep it in check yeah hopefully in those states here uh, in the United States like Arizona Florida Texas that uh, they'll flatten the curve here in the next coming weeks so hopefully they'll flatten the curve real soon maybe we can take some lessons for those folks in Europe because when those cities shut down, they completely shut down. So yep. it seems like they, they got it right. Of course, where we live at in the state of Illinois, in the city of Chicago, so far we've gotten it right. We saw a slight increase, but not to the point where those other states that I mentioned that they've been having trouble. So hopefully, like you said, we're, we're, we're getting sports back and hopefully it won't be too many turbulences, not too much trouble. And we're hoping they can get, resume their seasons and get back to some type of normalcy. Well, I think like I think the Julie's words kind of obvious that like, I don't think there's going to be any normal. Mm-hmm. This her her words, not mine, but she doesn't think that there's yeah. going to be any type of new normal. This is going to be the new normal. So I hope that's yeah. not the case. But if we have to, I mean, as uh, Sean Doolittle from the Nationals uh, said, listen, wear your mask, 
uh, if you want to see sports, if you want to, you know, watch sports, if you want to see us play, wear your mask. And I forgot who it was uh, yesterday, and I, I got the – I want to look up the quote right quick. But he said that, look, if, you're, if your breath stinks – <laughs> if your breath stinks and you wear your mask, I mean, so what? Who cares? Just brush your teeth or make a mint or mint. Or, oh, Cody Bellinger from the Dodgers. <laughs> he, he said, uh, and I'm getting, I got to try to go. I don't think it's impassable to wear a mask. If your breath stinks, it sucks, but it just means you brush your teeth a little bit more. <laughs> so, I mean, look, listen, I, that, listen, I, I echo those sentiments. Brush your teeth, you know, keep some mints handy if you have to, yeah. and just, and also wear your mask. If you want to see sports, wear your mask. Amen. I think we should end this week's podcast on that note. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Okay. Um, those the, like the man said, you can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter <laughs> at Keena underscore McGee on the Insta. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can read all of my articles on weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And you can follow the Dean Davis Show, which is the crew I'm also a part of as well. You can follow us on all of our social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dean Davis Show. Once again, at Dean Davis Show. You can listen to our podcast, Dean Davis, the sports show, and Dean Davis, the flip on War on Acre, in which case you over to Spotify and wherever you get your um, podcast, just make sure you download Dean Davis to Flip and Dean Davis to Sports Show. Please tell everybody, your friends, your family, your neighbors, even your enemies, please do so. <laughs> well, so yeah, because there are people That's too. That's what Fox Sports would say. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you can also listen to this show on those platforms as well. Yes. Um, hopefully Sports. Exactly. So uh, we may have some big news coming down the pike. Uh, can we say it now, or should we wait till next week? You make it a little bit of a tease. Uh, let's tease it for one more week. Let's oh, tease okay. it for one more yeah, week. Yeah, we'll tease it for one more week. So, yeah, so that's another reason for you guys to kind of tune in again next week. So hopefully we'll, we'll have a couple more guests on to talk and laugh and make you think. So be safe yes. out there, folks, and just, you know, wash your hands and brush your teeth. Yes. And thank you once again to Miss Julie Donaldson of NBC Sports Washington and the lovely and great Dawn Mitchell. She made her debut on this show from Fox 9 TV in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Thank you so much, John, for uh, make, uh, making your presence known on this program. Of course, she, like I said before, she's been a great friend for Dean Davis for many years. I'm glad she made her debut on this show. You'll definitely be hearing from her again. So thank you to both those lovely young ladies for joining this program for this week. And hopefully we'll have the interviews posted. Also, the, the show will be posted within the next couple of days. So on those platforms that Sid just talked about. So stay safe out there. Keep your hands clean. And, you know, to be good to each other. Wear your mask. Holla! <laughs>